This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined by Mawera Karatai in Fakatani. Kia ora, Mawera. Kia ora, Sam. How's it going? It's going very well indeed. How's this week's work going for you? I'm good. Uh, had a busy weekend of family and whakapapa, so um, I'm looking forward to having a week of work to relax. That's good. It's good to be in the position where work is relaxing. It is, but I love my job. <laughs> and we are joined today from Lancaster by Miriam Sturdy. Welcome, Miriam. Hi, Sam. Hi, Mara. Nice to meet you both. Nice to meet you. How have things gone in your bubble? My bubble, my bubble is a very, very lucky bubble. About a year ago, um, we moved out of the town into a house in a much smaller village, uh, surrounded by fields and sunshine. Well, I'd say sunshine, but it's Lancaster. Um, But we're very, very, very fortunate to have a lot of green space. And when lockdown was severe, we were out cycling and jogging and walking and learning plant names. So uh, I feel very fortunate. Were you able to you were able to get out and, and exercise? Is that a thing that was a big community thing that was everybody out? Yeah, the entire village. There were, we met so many people we'd never seen before. You'd go for a circuit of the local roads, and there would be tens of um, families, people cycling who never normally would cycle. It became a really nice community thing. Um, it's only sad as time went on that people found less time to be outside. Um, I myself went a bit mad. And I think peaks at around ten and a half hours of cycling, running, and walking every week, <laughs> because it was like it was the one good thing we were allowed. So I made the most of it. And did you carry on working? Yes. Uh, also very fortunate. I just finished. Um, I'm, I work as a lecturer at the university. I just finished a block of teaching, which was already blended learning. Did my last lab a week and a half before lockdown. And was very fortunate just to get on with marking, um, research, writing grants. And I, yeah, I just feel very, very fortunate because I know the people who carried on teaching for the final term um, had to suddenly scramble to start producing online materials. And they had no experience in doing that. And it's been a, a bit of a minefield. Students don't appreciate or enjoy the online uh, learning paradigm compared to what they normally have. Are you expecting to be online next semester? I say yes. Uh, We were given the option to have severely social distanced classrooms, which doesn't really work because we're in computer labs. So you would end up with about 
a quarter of the students we'd normally have uh, in one space and our timetabling was already squished so when we were given the option to go blended online or really attempt face to face we we said that online was probably going to be easier um, but i think students are still uh, signing up to come to lancaster so that's really good let's go straight away to the first of your music choices let's have edward sharp and the magnetic zeros with home why this one uh, well when it was on a sunny day i uh, discovered this on a six music station and it was so happy and bouncy and about being at home and loving people and i think i listened to it on repeat until my partner told me please stop did you manage to get creative during the lockdown i actually feel very sad that i that's the one thing i've been really struggling with and as someone who generally sketches and draws pictures the most i've done is uh, a picture for a paper i was writing i've got endless doodles and notes however from uh, the incessant video calls and i've got quite a collection of really bizarre bizarre creatures and animals and tiny houses and wavy figures which is quite fun i think the one time i was inspired i drew my kitchen sink which sounds weird but i just suddenly thought i really have to draw right now but I think most of the time I'm creative because I interact with people and I'm out in the world. And without the external stimulus, the real people, I find it really hard to create.
Search have you been doing? Um, I've been uh, actually. I, I was looking um, to finish a paper which got accepted called Research Journeys, which was a visual odyssey into the work we do that we don't always publish. Um, the trips we take to undertake, say, ethnographic research, the people who help us along the way, the materials that are often lost, and the stories behind what happens. Um, so I was very fortunate to travel to the West Cork Islands in Ireland and we had adventures in trying to get ferries on time only to round the corner and be confronted with 200 people in full wetsuit gear who were taking part in a, a charity event. And it's there's all these amazing stories that we don't often get to tell and I think they're as much part of research as the actual technical or very, very academic stuff we write about. So that's something I've been doing. See, there's how you could combine things, because I think it's been interesting to we've been finding it interesting talking to people. And most people have been saying that they've been loving working at home, but there are some things that they just haven't got to. Like in your case, you haven't got to the to the creative work. And it'd be interesting yeah. to actually find out about what people are writing or, or how people are writing. We've had several people say that they've. They've been doing lots of research, working really hard, but they just haven't been able to write anything during during lockdown, or haven't been able to 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 do something else. There's probably some interesting that that research journeys is is a is a good idea for how people have done research during lockdown, and then you could get out and draw people. I would love to get out and draw people. Um, I think I've just got so bored of looking at the same spaces that I'm not seeing things in a different way. And I think a lot about being creative and drawing and sketching is about having a new perspective on things around you. And I think I kind of need shaking up right now. I mean, in a way, the bubble's been kind of wonderful. I had a lot of air travel lined up and it was actually a weird relief, a massive relief to know I didn't have to sit on a plane for 20 hours and I didn't have to do the airport run and I kind of feel oh no it's like that be careful what you wish for situation I was like oh I've got to go away for an entire month and travel all over the place which is exciting but then you think wouldn't it be nice just to be at home and hang out and go for walks 
and go cycling. <laughs> and I got what I wished for, so I feel slightly <laughs> guilty. Because <laughs> you were commuting to Canada for a while. In fact, you lived in Canada for a while. Yes, and I had planned to go back. I had been invited to do a tutorial in sketching for uh, technology design, and I had plans to visit my old lab in Calgary. And then I was going to be very fortunate to travel very badly in terms of carbon footprint all the way across the world to Hawaii for a conference. And it had been one of my childhood dreams to go, and I was very excited. But at the same time, I was full of trepidation that the sheer expanse I would have to cross to get there and the time it would take so it's kind of like the the big trip that never was um, although I really hope I can get back and uh, teach the uh, Canadian University students how to draw. Were you going to go to Kai in Hawaii? Yeah um, in case anyone doesn't know the Kai conference is a really big human computer interaction conference that happens every year and attracts around 4,000 people I think in person and it was only cancelled at the last minute. They did refund everyone very promptly which was wonderful and still published all the works and workshop papers and course papers everyone sent. Um, so it was managed particularly well but at the same time without that face-to-face -face interaction there are students and postdocs who didn't find their next job. Uh, there were actual innovations that didn't happen because the workshops didn't happen. I think some people did move it online, but I mean, I know I'm a computer person, but really, I think digital has a lot to answer for in terms of the soul and the human touch. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokunui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. I hope you're all having the best day. Beautiful superstars in your beloved universes. And I really hope that wherever you are, whatever is happening around you, that you are having a wonderful time experiencing this universe as a triumph of nature's art connected to all life in an infinite web and possessed of a myriad suite of unique and precious skills making this world better every single day thank you so it's been such an interesting day for me i hope it has been for you too and i've had the great pleasure and privilege of running two workshops today at Orokunui, all about the power of poo my particular favorite and Another one all about feeding birds year-round with different species of beautiful Rako Māori native trees. So it's been very exciting. And of course, it's been a wonderful day to be out and about exploring in the pouring rain. And this is one of my favourite aspects of work at Orokunui, being out there with people and seeing the shifts that take place for them and for myself when we're out there connecting with the real world, the living world, the natural world of which we are a part and feeling that sense of presence and appreciation for all the life that surrounds us that we are connected to, all the beauty and seeing our own beauty, our own perfection reflect back to us. So today I really thought it might be useful to really have a think about how we can support ourselves when things are feeling overwhelming and partly this arose for me 
because of this just huge deluge of rain. And I know for all of us, when we're surrounded by a deluge of sensory overload, the sense of being overstimulated or bombarded, we can start to feel tempted to fall into old patterns of behaviour that are very natural and are related, of course, to our limbic system and our fight or flight response, our survival mode, and that is to catastrophize. And I know that for all of us, there are many aspects of our universe that are bombarding us if we allow them to at the moment. And so there is that tendency towards catastrophizing. And I was thinking about this today. Beautiful Harvey Penfold, my partner and I, have been trying to make our nozzles for our bird feeders here in Alti Porti, Stuneden. And not everything is going to plan with this. It's a learning process. We're figuring out lots of new ways of doing things. But of course, for me, when things don't go according to plan, I know that there's a tendency to launch into catastrophizing. And so how can I help myself in this situation? Well, something that's really helpful for me, and I hope it can be for you, is to bring that awareness to this tendency and be aware that just like all other aspects of our amazing body, we have evolved this consciousness. And so different aspects of that consciousness come into play. And bringing awareness to that and giving a bit of space, a bit of humor, a bit of compassion to that process and recognizing that whilst we can feel these things, that feeling reaction only lasts for 90 seconds. We take a bit of a step back and we allow that physiological feeling response to move along, we too can move along after that 90 seconds has elapsed. We can reframe and change our state of mind, our state of being. Another process that I think is really important is bringing compassion and love and self-care when we start to feel those feelings of being overwhelmed, making sure we ask for support, not just from ourselves and that part of ourself that is able to observe and take a step back for us, but also from those around us. And in this way, we can make sure that we stop before we start to catastrophize. So I hope you're all having a really great day and I'll look forward to talking to you tomorrow. Thanks so much. Kakite. So the UK has opened up this weekend, whether it's ready or not. Is it ready? Yeah, this weekend we were kind of a bit wary because it had been touted as Super Saturday, July the 4th, everything's open again. The UK Treasury did a very ill-advised tweet telling everyone to go for a pint, which was later deleted. Um, I think they're so desperate to restart the economy, they're, they're just kind of pushing for pubs and hospitality to open. Um, I think a lot of people are kind of doing the opposite. So apparently uh, on Saturday, um, around 4pm, someone did say on Facebook, oh, I hear the pubs are very quiet. And someone else answered and said, I should hope so. It's 4pm on a Saturday <laughs> and it's not sunny. <laughs> so... I think people have these expectations that we were going to be mobbed. And I think in some places it has been. I was following a 
someone on Twitter called Jenny Thatcher, who was doing ethnographic tweeting from a pub in Soho. And it's kind of wonderful. She documented the entire reopening, the process, the people coming in, how they manage distancing. For instance, one of the things in, in accessibility in London, in central London, you can't just pop in and go to the loo anymore. You have to register your details at the bar to even be in the pub in the first place. So it kind of is punitive to people who just need a wee, which I think was quite an interesting um, thing that she wouldn't have realised unless you're actually living that space. Um, but yeah, so for us, we're definitely just going to keep away for a few weeks. If it's going to take two or three weeks for us to see the results of this uh, weekend reopening, then it's probably best we see them from a distance, I think. Especially because yeah. we want to see our parents. Um, we've got, well, I wouldn't say they're elderly. They'd probably tell me off for saying that. <laughs> but uh, they're, they're in their 70s and they're really desperate to see us. And we can't in all conscience visit them or have them visit us if we know we might have been exposed. Have you been out shopping? So I I feel that the, um, what was it, the gender divide on emotional and social and home labour has been a bit uneven in our house because I've done every single supermarket shop since the beginning. I don't think my partner's left the house apart from to go cycling. <laughs> Oh, and once to uh, drop off some bicycle wheels, I think. So that's like four months. Um, so I've done all the shopping. I think his words were, there's no point in both of us being at risk. <laughs> well, I did promise him that if I pick up anything, I'll be sure to give it to him as well. One of the things that we noticed is that during the, as we went back down through the, the lockdowns, it was almost, uh, we were almost grieving for the, the loss of the peace that we had had at the 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 previous one the, the sort of the the more locked down because we came back down through four lockdown levels did you have any of, of any of those sorts of feelings as you know had you gone from a point of serenity or something back down to what's all these people driving around that kind of stuff oh in a way i think i preferred the we're either locked down or we're not locked down. This in-between stage is confusing for people. It's caused a lot of idiot behaviour, especially on the roads. I think the first weekend they were, people were told they could travel to exercise. It became insane. Uh, my partner was uh, driven off the road by uh, a, a man in a Volkswagen and reported it to the police. There's been cyclists being injured because people have cyclist rage, which um, which is bizarre because it's one of the only things people have been able to do during lockdown. So the in-between stage has caused peculiar human behaviour. I, I don't know where it's coming from, but I guess it's a lot of the frustrations born out of the first um, few weeks of lockdown manifested themselves in erratic behaviour. Uh, I'm not a psychologist, so I can't uh, say why, but yeah, I'm kind of regretful that the roads are no longer clear because I'm a keen cyclist and the joy of knowing that you weren't going to be close past on a long flat stretch of road <laughs> suddenly was amazing. And it meant that I was braver and went further. And now it's coming back to normal. I don't know if I can do that. Liesel Mitchell is a downtown dweller, urban explorer and conversationalist observing city life in lockdown. Well, hey there, bubble people. How's it? Uh, it's another day of delight and 
dandy good time, let's just say. <laughs> when was the last time I used the word? Quite a cool word though, isn't it? Like, I don't know, it's, it drums up kind of images of Thai, but uh, that's what pops into my head when I say the word dandy. Um, but it's a good word, it feels quite good in your mouth if you want to try saying that out loud. Yeah, some go, why does that feel so good? Words like lyrical, you know, when you say it feels quite good in your mouth. I got taught a word once by someone that um, I've never volatilized. Now just say that a couple of times, full in the mouth. So if you're feeling like a couple of delicious words in your volatilization, there, there we go. play with those. Um, I'll let you look up the names because I had to do that and that out. Uh, now today, today's little on this gorgeous day of delight, um, as, I, as I'm referring to today as, it's going to be an day of delight. Um, as, as uh, reflect, reframing, the idea of, this is I guess a, a trick to, to make things appear better. So like uh, a situation that maybe something's gone wrong and um, you're being held clean but you feel like, you know, act that fair and why are you being blamed for something that involves more people than just and it doesn't seem like you listen to. Now all of those things are valid and taken on board but reframing helps you maybe flick flick the problem around flick it into a different seeing it with uh, the light turned on rather than um, a window on the on the south side of the house might from the north side of the house it's just kind of putting it in a different way and maybe seeing even if justified in your answer ups, upset upsetness I think I might have just created that but you know what I mean your feelings of being upset maybe maybe it is <laughs> um, then I think even when you feel that sort of way, it's really helpful to frame the problem differently. So if you're feeling like you're the one being held accountable and that's not fair, might I be being held accountable? Whether it's fair, why is it that I'm the one that's being looked at maybe? And, and have a little change of that. You know, flick it around a bit, say, well, even if I'm a bit annoyed about this, how, how might it, that office worker or your friend or you're in with them, you have to spend time with them, um, they're annoying right well what do you maybe what is it about this person a real gift or what kind of talents do they have that you actually do appreciate because you do spend time other things so i guess reframing trying to look at something that you've looked at a thousand times gone oh this is and going well in this picture not up and down vertically if i hang it kind of what can i see differently in that picture and it's almost standing on your head or something oh the world looks different climbing a hill oh I can say than I could when I was on the flat. So reframing is just giving yourself a different view. Hugely helpful. Um, seeing your life in a and say, well, how can I look at this differently? So on that flick around note, I will leave you for the day and I hope you an entirely awesome re-catch up soon. Take care. Did you see any community initiatives around you? Yeah, we're only in a small village, but during the first week, someone put a leaflet for our door and they'd collected together all the resources locally, like farm shops, uh, milk delivery, um, play people who were willing to drive around and help their neighbours. They Then they, they put this together, printed it up, put it through our door, probably before they thought about the potential of putting loads of uh, germy bits of paper through our doors. But actually, it's been really helpful. Um, and also neighbours are sort of banding together so someone's popping out to get something then they'll say do you want anything and I'll be like yes could I get some eggs or can I get this and that 
um, and we've been looking after each other. So we have some elderly neighbours. I think they'd probably be okay with seeing the elderly now. They're in their mid to late 80s and they were banned from going out and their son refused to let them go out. And so we've been picking up bits of shopping for them and generally having lots of over the fence distance chats and they're absolutely wonderful people and very resilient. Um, and then they were most proud when they managed to order a 16 kilogram bag of flour off the internet, which they're still using now to make bread. Of all of the societal level changes that you've seen during the, the lockdown since the start of the pandemic, what do you think is going to stick and what do you hope will stick? I hope what will stick is everybody cycling. Um, there's been a pop-up cycle route in one of the most ridiculously congested parts of town, um, which means people in mobility scooters and people on their bikes can actually whiz down the main road and they're separated by bollards. Um, so I'd like to see more cycling initiatives. And also because the lack of pollution was pretty amazing. I think a lot of people with asthma noticed the difference in terms of the lack of traffic. So I would like to see more attention paid to encouraging people to continue cycling. Beyond that that cycling thing, do you think that there is things that we can learn from how we've responded to the pandemic for the the bigger questions, the intergenerational type ones, climate change and so on? Climate change and intergenerational, I think, I don't know, I think the older generations found some of this quite difficult because they were the ones who were most at risk, but often they flouted the rules. I think my father might have gone for a secret bike ride with my brother, uh, which was very, very naughty and I uh, wasn't too impressed with him. Um, I think climate change wise, I wish we'd learn. Apparently the levels in the UK are already returning to almost what they were beforehand. Um, but as someone quoted on the internet, they said, you know, we've shown that it's possible to end homelessness, save the climate, and become fitter and happier. But we're not, are we going to stick to this? I don't know if we will, because I think a lot of people are craving the old normal rather than the new normal. And I think without a concerted, centralised effort, I don't think any of the major things are going to change. In what ways do you think it's a new normal and not just a return to the old normal? God, I think... I don't know if it will be a new normal. Um, I've seen photographs from the weekend of people in Brisbane dancing shoulder to shoulder in nightclubs. Um, I've seen the beaches in the UK completely packed and people going going out, going partying, hanging out, hugging, not distancing. I think I'd, I'd like to think that we'll make changes, but I'm honestly not sure people have it in themselves to make those changes individually i think we really it would help if there were some champions that could sort of help us make a new normal and i would like the new normal to be an end to homelessness and lower pollution levels um but yeah, like i said we need help but we will be able to put pressure on the government to say in the future to say look we did it in 2020 look we made these changes. So if you're saying, oh, we can't afford to, to do this thing or it's not possible, then we can now say, yeah, we can. Do you think it might change on the basis of that? I think 
given the evidence um, in terms of the ho- homelessness question, yes, they know they can do it. I think they've always had it in their power to do it, but they were unwilling to spend the money on it. And I think money is a big part of the changes that are coming. I mean, obviously, someone's going to have to pay for the furloughing and the handouts to business. Unfortunately, also to some of the bigger chains who probably didn't need it, have probably applied. To say what I really want to see, they've, they've been this willing to spend, you know, £5 million on a major pub chain, uh, which decided it needed help, but they refused to support the arts. Um, there's a lot of calls for bringing back you know, live music in some form, saving galleries, saving theatres, because the arts are suffering and they bring in so much to the economy. And I think they've really got to do something about that before it's too late because we're losing we're losing independent venues. We're losing people who were self-employed and freelancing as artists. These people often go through the cracks. Let's take another song called Home. We're on a theme. Let's have Cheryl Crow home. Why this one? When I was um, about 10 and the album came out, my mother and I would uh, sing and listen to it. And then when the tape player in the car broke, we would sing because we remembered the words. And it was something we put on when we were in the house of an evening and it was just us. And it reminds me of being loved, being with my mum. And hopefully I'm going to see her in a few weeks, so this is for her.
before you were talking about um, the resilience of your elderly neighbours, and um, it's another theme that's sort of come out uh, as we've talked to people is that the older um, community, particularly in New Zealand, seem to have been a lot more resilient than the younger people, which is kind of weird because the younger people are so used to the digital world. How has it been for you? What's your, your observation been? I found that a lot of um, the older generation have been embracing the digital world. Um, my mum learned how to use FaceTime, which was brilliant, although I spent a long time just looking up her nose and seeing half her head. Um, my neighbours, like I said, they, they did online um, supermarket delivery for the first time last week, and they're, they're using Amazon to order bulk bags of flour. They've become actually a lot more savvy. They've stepped up when they've needed to. And now the lockdown is easing. Um, Margaret, who is uh, one of the two, is like, oh, well, I was going to maybe ask for some help to get to my appointments, but I'm just going to drive myself now. It's fine. And I was a bit worried because uh, her car's been sitting on the driveway for some time, undriven. And obviously, the older your car, the less likely it is to start after a long break. But she's fairly confident that she's just going to get on like she did before. And I think it's brilliant. And I think a lot of people who were retired were used to having this kind of stretch of time where everything was odd or anything was possible. And I feel that they've adapted much better than us because they've got this kind of relaxed outlook. Sort of maybe anything goes. Um, I said, I know my dad was especially upset that his uh, holiday was cancelled. Are you planning to get out sketching? Are you, is that a, a thing you're itching to do? I hope so. I wanted to start a postcard exchange with a friend in Vienna and I bought a whole pack of uh, blanks and haven't had time to do anything on them. And I really, I really do want to get into it and I think now some major work deadlines have passed and I think I've got another week of enforced meetings and then I'm actually going to take a week off and see what happens because I think it's really important. I've placed the only pictures I drew during lockdown behind my laptop, which I can see now, and I keep looking at them and thinking, I've got to do something. I've really got to do something. And I think about painting, and I think about um, just really creating something and how wonderful that used to feel. And I just need to, I think, get over the barrier and just do it. There's always something else to do, and I worry that I actually spend so much time looking at my phone or reading the news, the endless live coronavirus updates across the world and getting sucked into that i think is probably preventing any kind of creative expression there hasn't been a lot of visual communication i mean it, there's been a lot of people talking there's, there's been a certain lot of talking heads and press conferences and things have you seen much visual communication about the, how they're managing the crisis and what we should be doing um, they do tweet uh, pre-graphic designed little quotes and things about staying safe or alert. Um, I think there's posters up in some town saying stay two metres apart. They're very instructional. Um, it's not really a coherent advertising campaign. All the coronavirus uh, linked advertising comes from big business like Microsoft Teams saying use it for teaching um, or the co-op which... Um, has been doing quite well in helping the community um, doing Zoom-based funny little adverts. Um, 
I think there's actually a lack of visual communication, but also because we haven't been able to go out and see it unless it's digital, we, we won't be able to. Um, but I think talking visually, one of the most wonderful things that happened is I was following an artist called Liz Aiken on Twitter and she used to do charcoal drawings on the newspapers and make parodies of all the political figures and then give them to people as gifts on the tube when she commun uh, commuted. And it was something that she did to help with her mental health and um, I think what it's called skin picking, this very sort of agitated feeling she got. And then when she couldn't do that anymore, she panicked and then found this new way of coping, which was to go out to walk and to observe textures that she saw every day. So it could be some tree bark, it could be the grass, it could be the clouds. And then it became this huge thing on Twitter. People would send their own texture hunter gatherer series of pictures. And then she used that as inspiration to create new artworks, which she's now selling um, as part of an initiative to help other artists. And when she reaches a certain amount, she then buys from a different artist and it's to sort of perpetuate selling and loving the arts even during lockdown i think if anyone wants to have a look if you use the hashtag texture hunter gatherer on twitter it's some amazing stuff and liz aiken is a wonderful artist there's a blueberry pancake flying in the sky i can see it i can see it there's a castle in the cloud and it's floating on by Can you see it? Can you see it? With my imagination I can see it With my pencil crayons I can draw it On a piece of paper I can show it to you I can show it to you There's a purple hippopotamus riding on a bike I can see it Over my house at night I just know it I just know it With my imagination I can see it With my pencil frail I can draw it On a piece of paper I can show it to you I can show it to you Have the sketching um, groups, ha have they been doing stuff during lockdown? Because there's quite often sketch meetups and things that you've been involved in. Has that carried on? Yes, definitely. Um, actually, I did uh, join Michaela Lewis in doing a sketch, sketch note London, I think it was, um, online meetup where we looked at figures and actions and faces and I taught everyone one of my favorite techniques for drawing without really worrying about drawing. Um, and that went down really well. And I know Michaela's been running um, gallery visits, so virtual gallery visits. At first it was every week, and now it's once a month. And the Sketchnote group meet up in this virtual gallery and they walk around and they choose works they're interested in and create little images and notes about them. So that's definitely going on. Um, 
And I think I also did an online sketching course for a summer school I was helping with uh, getting students out of their comfort zone and drawing little people and things to, to help with their research. I think I saw a thing on Twitter when you did a thing. Was that layering? Was that the yeah, technique that was you were using? Technique. Yeah, What's that was that? the thing I was telling people about. In a way, I feel like I was giving away this magical thing that's uh, <laughs> helped my drawing the last few years. But everyone will do it in their own way. Um, and it's just, I usually start with a base of colour and just thick pens and just sort of approximate what I'm looking at. And then I build up different colours and different darknesses of colour and then we'll add lines to it and the lines themselves don't have to be neat and perfect it's about letting go of perfection and just enjoying drawing and you actually end up coming out with something that looks pretty special without a lot of the panic and effort that people get from trying to be photorealistic and that one of the the mantras is ideas not art yeah that's definitely one of Michaela's mantras um, and it is really, I mean, anyone can be an artist. Um, apparently the arts, well, artistic ability develops along the same pathways as language in the brain. So if we can speak, we can draw. It's something we're all born with, but we lose um, during school or because we're told we're not good enough or we're told we're not drawing in a way they want us to. But if you look at some artists like primitivists, they draw, make a living drawing like children drawing in a free and expressive way and no one should be barred from um, enjoying drawing. So I have some questions to end the show with. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Blimey. Um, I think one of the main ones was that I managed to secure a permanent job in academia, which I know is the holy grail, uh, because it's really difficult in today's climate for a young researcher to get a post where they're not always worrying about the next thing every year. And that job in turn led to me buying a wonderful house and being able to look out onto green every day. And I'm eternally grateful. How far out of Lancaster are you? Only about... 30 minutes as the bicycle goes, uh, probably seven or eight miles, maybe up to 10 from the centre. It's very it close. To the south? Yeah, to the south. Cool. So we're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes, our collection of people doing good work. So you're on our team, you're on our mansion. What's the superpower that's got you there? The ability to sketch. <laughs> sketch without worrying and to capture what's going on. But you just said that everybody can do that. Well, I'm, my superpower is getting everyone to do it. <laughs> I really love inspiring people to find skills they didn't know they had. And I hope your book is going to have visuals in it. Yes. Note to self, put visuals in book so do you consider yourself to be an activist probably not and i mean mainly because i don't know what what it involves i think maybe a sketch activist i'm very passionate about that i don't know if i've activated anything else in my time sketchy activist 
Well, I say sketch activist. Sketchy no, makes no. it sound like the sort of person who hangs around I, in I, underpass. It might be what you said, but I wrote down sketchy. Maybe a little. So what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Usually a good cup of tea, nice strong Yorkshire tea. Um, and then I like knowing that I've got something to do. Um, in the absence of being able to make plans with other people, I have plans with myself. And if I don't have anything to do, actually, it's harder. So I fill the time with cooking and baking. It sounds like you've successfully filled the time during the lockdowns because yeah. you keep saying you're so busy. Well, I think there's busy and then there's, there's busy working and then there's busy should be working. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the last few weeks have been super worky, but at the beginning, I went on a cooking odyssey. I'm one of those horrible people who started baking sourdough. Oh, my God, it's amazing. Um, and I became incredibly fit. I, I feel I feel terrible. I'm one of those awful people that's improved their life uh, during lockdown. So what's the biggest challenge you're looking forward to in the next couple of years? The next couple of years... I would really like to be able to embark on some research of my own making and my own funding, if I can get it. I'm really looking at how creative practices, traditional creative practices, can really inform what we're doing in highly technical areas of computer science, which sounds a bit strange, but I reckon it could work. Yeah. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Start drawing. You'll never know what you're capable of until you start. And it's fun. Mawira. Um, it's school holidays here now, Miriam. Our, our children are all on holiday for the next two weeks. Uh, and thank you. I'm going to spend some time with my 10-year-old who declares himself a non-drawer uh, and look at the concept of sketching without worrying because he does worry because at school they're taught to worry. So we're going we're gonna to undo some, some, uh, some of the teaching about worrying and just do some drawing. Thank you. Brilliant. I hope to be able to see what he produces. I'll share it with you. Any good exercises for doing that? I think a lot of it's about not trying to draw the thing exactly. Just draw an approximation of it. There's a lot to be said about artistic interpretation. So if you're drawing a picture of a, a tree and the tree doesn't look exactly like the tree, it doesn't matter. No one else knows what that tree looks like. This is your tree. You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We've had contributions from Tahu McKenzie and Liesl Mitchell. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyers Bay, Dunedin, with Mawira Karatai in Fakatani and Miriam Sturdy in Lancaster. We hope you enjoyed the show.
This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.